The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio. It is the CarCast coming to you after USC's 41-35. 41-35 win over the California Golden Bears at the Coliseum on homecoming uh, in front of 64,000 USC fans and uh, some Cal fans as well. Um, as always, I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back for another car cast, a super late one. It is after 11 p.m. I don't know how long we're going to go tonight, uh, but we're going to go. You guys primed and ready to discuss USC's effort tonight. Um, the Trojans, of course, win again. They run run their record to eight and one. They still remain one point away from a perfect nine and zero record. And yet, um, yeah, they let Cal in the ball, back in the ball game in the second half. Uh, needed Caleb Williams to put it away with a zone read keeper late in the game in the last final minutes. Uh, to get the victory. Um, if you're joining us here live on YouTube, welcome. Thanks. Hop in the chat. Give us your thoughts about the game. Tell us what you think happened tonight for the Trojans against the Bears. All of your thoughts, put, the, put them in the comments here. And uh, any questions, put the word question at the beginning. We'll be sure to get to those as we go on uh, and discuss the game here. Uh, Alicia, what are, what, are, what are your thoughts? Your initial thoughts. Um, that was a that was. Uh, it was a game. It was a football. It game. It was a football game. Yeah. I I feel like that was a snoozer. Like I am. Ex- I am tired. I'm exhausted. Like I was. I was less. Like there's a lot of people who are really mad about the defense at the end of the game. I was like, I get it, but mostly I'm not mad at it, the performance. I'm mad that that game took so damn long because I am tired. And that game was a slog and I just wanted it. Like I just wanted a fourth quarter where we could sit back, relax, start prepping for the the car cast and we would be ready to go and, you know, kick back our feet and not have to deal with anything. And instead we ended up in like a situation where I didn't think for one second, even after the onside kick, anything like that for one second, I didn't think that Cal would actually 
put USC in danger here. Even after they scored the two-point conversion to get within six of USC, yeah, I still never felt anxiety about the result. Because if push came to shove, if USC needed you needed Caleb Williams to go down and score a touchdown, I just have this like supreme confidence in him being able to go down and score a touchdown. So I never felt anxious about the game. But it was a weird game because they let Cal back in it because the defense does look utterly horrendous. Yeah. Because the offense looked... Sh- Looks shaky at times and continues to do that thing that you and I, I don't, I'm not really interested in having the debate again because we've had the debate, but like doing that thing where I'm like, does, does Caleb Williams really need to throw the ball 40 times in, in a game like this? Like, could you just hand the ball off and, and just put this one in the, in the, in the crock pot and, and let it stew and then just like finish off the game, like that kind of thing. But I can't real. I'm not going to complain about the offense because they they got the job done. They scored 40 points. You score 40 points, you're going to win the game. That's fine. I think this game just sort of highlights where this team is at. Um, the offense can survive having their two best receivers out of the game, and still have huge performances from players who step up. And the defense cannot survive having anything be at a less than ideal place. The defense cannot survive having two starters be out and injured. It's it's really that simple to me. It's a margin that I think USC fans should certainly look at and say, like, that margin shouldn't be that narrow. But also, I've come into the whole season saying that the defense was going to be a work in progress, that they were going to be at a disadvantage, and that this was going to be what the game, what, what it was going to be like. And losing Eric Gentry and Raylan go forth. And I think. I think that Eric Gentry, absolutely huge, huge miss. I think we're starting to see that, like, even even Raylan Goforth, who I think is not as essential a player as Eric Gentry on a on a on a competitive defense. Even he alone is a huge miss when you're starting guys with the limitations that a Shane Lee has when he's got that cast on his wrist and he's and he's vulnerable in pass protection. Tuasivi Namora should not be a starting linebacker for USC at this point. He just should not be. And they shouldn't be putting him in the position where he is the core of that defense. I just it I just think they're 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 not setting up to succeed when they when they have him out there. Um you asked the question, what does that mean about the other players that USC has on the roster that they can't be trusted to go in there? I think it says a lot. Um but this defense is it it's a mess, it's a wreck. And I don't know how to fix it. We knew coming into the season that it was going to have some growing pains and struggles that they were going to be limited in their in their uh, in the personnel, and that is exactly what we're seeing. And yeah. so you had said to me, like as we were sitting on the couch watching the game, like there's just proof that like this isn't a playoff team. But I think you and I already knew that. So well, yeah. I mean, for for me, I look at it as. For most of this game, it was in that happy medium between blowout and close game. Yeah. Right? Like, wasn't a blowout. a happy medium, though? <laughs> no, awkward medium. Yeah. So here's the weird thing. I think SC has been in that medium spot, right? Where almost every game this season, uh, maybe save for the Utah game and the Arizona game, so really the first half of the year plus tonight, for the most part, 
Uh, and, and I guess the Arizona game you could could be in this too, where not quite a blowout, not quite a close game. Ultimately, the Cal game and the Arizona game ended up being a close game, right? But it's in that medium to where it's you're you're this close away from SC getting a pick six, and then suddenly you're up like you know twenty eight points, thirty points, and then. You know, Cal's taking out their starters and everybody, and and we can all go home and like one of those kind of things, right? But you just don't quite get there. And to SC's credit, we talked about it before. We talked about it after the ASU game. We talked about it at the Washington State game. If your clunkers are going to be 16-point wins over Washington State, that's such a good problem to have. Yeah. And so on one hand – SC living in that in that region of like not quite a blowout, but also you never really were worried that SC was going to lose this game at the same time. Like a relatively good problem to have. You'd rather have that than the alternative of SC having to pull every game out of its ass mm-hmm. or SC losing these games, which are things that we've seen year in and year out from this program in the old regime, right? Mm-hmm. So SC has certainly taken a big step forward. And there's part of me that looks at it and is like, well, living in that region where you're not quite a blowout and not quite a close game shows that you're an improved team, but you're definitely not a playoff team, um, playoff caliber team, because the playoff caliber teams end up pushing games into blowouts more often than not, they end up separating themselves. They end up putting themselves in a position to win the style points. Yeah, you, you might have a game like Ohio State had against Penn State last week, right, which was close for the first, you know, three quarters, but then you have the fourth quarter where you blow things open, or right? Like Michigan Rutgers or, or Michigan Rutgers, where you might have a bad first half and then you blow things open. That's what we saw with, with the Pete Carroll teams of the past, right? SC is not in that position yet. And on one hand, it's frustrating because you're like, if they could only just string these little things together, if they didn't have this one blown coverage to let Cal back into the game, or if if you don't give up the onside kick, or if Dodge Washington doesn't drop a third down and maybe you're able to build more more momentum here, uh, if they score the drive that was supposed to be the two minute drill before the kill, the, the kill and Bullock interception that led to the actual two minute drill drive touchdown. Like if they do that end up scoring 14 points before the half instead of seven, like these little things and to blow things open, like that's what a playoff team does. That's, that's how you win style points. That's how you separate yourself, all that stuff. And then I look at it and say, but this is year one. This is year one of a system um, that is completely different from last year. Uh, We talked about it where SC has playmakers that Lincoln Riley inherited, but also a very problematic defense, a defense that was horrendous last year. Um, And so should we be completely surprised that sometimes they look horrendous this year, right? Probably not. And at the end of the day, this is year one, and they are still eight and one through nine games, control their own destiny, sort of, kind of. There's a weird uh, three-way tie possibility that doesn't, but that's beside the point. 
um, you know, in this position to to basically have their fate in their hands, going up against, you know, Colorado, who we all think they should win, should beat next week, and then a winner-take-all sort of potentially um, L.A. City Championship game for the right to go to Vegas, right? Like, you have that, but at the same time you look at it and you go, this defense, as it stands right now, has no shot in stopping DTR. No shot in stopping Bo Nix. No shot in stopping Cam Rising in a, in a rematch. They, they made Jack Plummer look like Aaron Rodgers, right? <laughs> like, like uh, going in this game, you know, we, we talked about how uh, Cal and Colorado were going to be the two teams where it was going to be a lull because they didn't have offenses that could compete with SC. Uh, and yet, here we go. Cal finishes the game with um, 469 yards, uh, including 406 through the air with Jack Plummer, who looked incredible at times. And part of it was because he was throwing the guys who were wide open. He was throwing the guys who would make like one little shim- shimmy and um, and lose three different defenders and and break three tackles. Like, I don't, I don't know. I I I I don't know. It's in in the grand scheme of things. This this defense is just not going to get it done for SC. And then the flip side of the argument is. But it's year one. It's year one in a completely, you know, new regime, and they were never going to be perfect. And they're eight and one, which is ahead of where where they probably should be, anyways. So it's one of those situations where it's like, I mean, what it comes down to is you're eight and one. You're eight and one. Your offense has been good enough to carry you to eight and one. And the one game where they weren't, your defense came through and made sure you got that win. So you're eight and one, you're eight and one. And that one loss is a one point loss. So you can't be that bad. Like you, there are levels. And I think that this is where people need to understand that there are, we always talk about like rankings and stuff. You can do rankings, whatever, but there are tiers. When it comes down to it, there are tiers. The tiers are the elite teams and the good teams that, can be really yeah. difficult to beat. And, and we learned today, I think we, we got more clarity on what those tiers and what are. What those tiers are. Yeah. It's yeah. Georgia and everybody else <laughs> and, you know, Ohio state and Michigan and, and uh, TCU and, and maybe LSU, you throw in them, throw in there, but I, I don't know, Tennessee and, and, and also all of those ones you can throw in there. And USC is in the tier below that. And that's not, this is a team that in was four one, and eight last crime. year right. and to be in the good, but maybe not elite category is perfectly fine is a perfectly fine place to be at. The offense is way ahead of where I expected them to be at this point. The defense is about where I expected them to be at this point, especially when I can look at it and see how I just want USC fans to challenge themselves for like a quarter to only watch USC's linebackers, just watch the linebackers. And then come away and tell me that missing Eric Gentry and Raylan Goforth isn't a big deal. Right. Like the linebacker play is horrendous. And there are other issues that USC has with the DBs and with the with the defensive line and all that kind of stuff. But like for me, the linebacker play is absolutely horrendous. You cannot possibly be 
a decent defense with linebacker play like that. So to me, Eric Gentry's absence is a huge, 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 huge deal because he was USC's best defender for the most of the games in, at the start of the season. Well, for better or for worse. Tuli is a different... Yeah, Tuli, Tupelo, too. Fine. At that level of the that, defense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's where USC's at. They're missing their, their best linebacker. They're missing their second best linebacker. Yeah. Their third and fourth best linebackers are not good enough. Um, and they are they are struggling, but they're still winning the games because Caleb Williams is that good, and Travis Dye is that good, and USC's second-tier wide receivers are that good. Mm-hmm. So I think that you can have a discussion about like the playoff situation and whether or not USC would get killed in the playoff or what DTR is going to do to this defense and stuff like that, but I, was still, I still want to know who is going to stop Caleb Williams is the UCLA defense that we saw today parallel at literally the games were going on at the same time, par- parallel games. ASU was doing to UCLA what Cal was doing to USC. So when you look at it, like, okay, the UCLA game is certainly a potential loss, but it's not a guaranteed loss. That's going to be a shootout. And we're going to see, it. I think you put on Twitter. It's that looks like a game. First to 50 is going to win that game. And, and yeah. USC may be the first to 50 and UCLA may be first to 50. And if they're not, they're a two-loss team, which is still in the range of what I optimistically predicted <laughs> before the season started. And the Notre Dame game is going to be tough. Like th- that's the reality. But I'm not. Fr- I don't know. I, I'm not freaking out. I, I I see people freaking out. I'm not freaking out. Like it's. <laughs> well, I don't know what people I, expected from the season. I guess so. Like. I, the offense is really, really, really outrageously good. That's what I'm sort of taking away. The defense is bad. Yes. So I, I to to the point of the defense is bad. Uh, I, I I go back to SC has played nine games. Through those first six, we sat here and said that Alex Grinch was the better of the of the two coordinators. Um, the last three games, laugh at that that statement hasn't aged well, right? Um, surely not. And, and so I sit here thinking, okay, so with the first six games when we were talking about how the defense was opportunistic, the defense was led by SC's front, um, really the, the front three, front four, right? The the defensive line and, and the, the corners uh, making plays. Um, Tuli Tupelotu leading the country in sacks at one point and all that stuff and uh, all the the sacks that SC was getting as a team, um, and keeping teams like Washington State to 16 points. Cam Ward really didn't do much against SC. Um, ASU in the second half did absolutely nothing. Right, the, uh, there were second half adjustments in, in every game, and you saw SC get better. Um, at least defensively, you saw SC get better as the games went on. So my question is. Uh, SC held Oregon State to uh, 14 points on the road. Was all of that a mirage? Or is it all of this go back to not having Eric Gentry out there? Um, Because Eric Gentry goes out in what the third quarter of the uh, or halftime or whatever it was of the, the Utah game. And it was the, you know, third and fourth quarter where SC really got gashed against Utah. And that's when Dalton Kincaid really took over the game. Like 
does it really all come down to just not having Gentry out there and not having Raylan go forth? Your two best linebackers at this point, I'm comfortable saying, uh, because like by far Shane Lee, I thought looked utterly terrible tonight, except for uh, that one tackle for loss. He had, he had yeah. one, one tackle for loss on a first down play, but like in coverage, the, the last cow touchdown drive, there was a third down in which SC sort of blitzes uh, a, a ton of dudes. Shane Lee takes one step forward to the line of scrimmage and sort of stops. He doesn't blitz. He doesn't drop back in coverage. Uh, and the receiver just runs a little slant and is wide open. Yeah. Well, if he dropped back in coverage, he would be right there. If he blitzed, um, I don't know, maybe he disrupts the passing lane. Maybe he, uh, you know, makes Plummer hurry the throw. Some, I don't know anything. Um, but like the middle ground of like not doing any, either one of those things just ends up with a, you know, super easy third down conversion, but like, and not to pick on, on Shane Lee, I just go back to well, the, because to, to the and Amora that, was worse than Shane Lee in yeah, this game. But, so but, like, again, it's, but it's, I go back to, is this really all not having Eric Gentry? Is Eric Gentry is the, like, is it the sole reason for the defense being this bad in the last three games and this bad and, you know, not having second half adjustments and all that. I have a feeling the answer is no. I have a feeling the answer is somewhere in the middle. Well, Eric Gentry plays a big role, but at the same time, SC was probably in the first six games, um, the, like the Washington State game and the Oregon State game, where we at least walked away and said, wow, this defense is really making the plays when they need to. And they're coming through and they're holding down teams and, and, and all of this that, you know, they were, they were getting the stops at the right times, but we were able to overlook the, the lapses in things like success rate and whatnot, because the scores didn't look bad. And because uh, they were able to get the stops at the end of the game when they needed to against Fresno state. So they gave up 17 points instead of 24 points. And it's easy to say those things at that point, right? Versus now where they're not getting the benefit of the doubts. Well, and on top of this, they're just on. utterly gashed. Hold on, though. And this is why people are like resistant to the idea of one player can't possibly be that important. But Talanoa Hufanga was that important to the USC defense. Eric yes. Gentry is the literally Eric Gentry is the only linebacker USC has who is capable of even being half decent at pass pro at pass uh, at pass defense. Yeah. The pass coverage. If, if we were rating it in Madden, like, and you give Eric Gentry an average in pass coverage, everyone else is 20 points lower. He is literally, and I mean literally, the only linebacker apparently on USC's roster who can be out on the field, who can be in pass coverage and not have it be a, a complete and utter disaster. So, yes, it makes a difference that he's not there. Because then, guess what? Guys like Jake Plummer are able to gash your, the, the center of your defense for 400 yards because your linebackers are nowhere to be seen because Jack, Shane Jack Lee doesn't Plummer. know what he's doing. Yeah. Sorry. Jack Plummer. Uh, I mean, Jake Plummer could have, Jake Plummer would have thrown for 500 too. yards yeah. too. Why is it so resistant to think that before in the games before USC gave up 14, 28, 17, 14, 25 and 14. That was what USC's defense was for six games. That's what USC's defense was. And then Magically, USC's defense over the last three weeks has been 43 points, 37 points, 35 points. 
Yeah. What is the difference? What happened against Utah? Injuries struck yeah. against Utah. That's, I mean, it, I know people don't want it to be that simple. And yes, there was certainly an edge of, well, of, of the, the turnover luck. I mean, because USC is still forcing turnovers. We're not forcing three and four. But also, who was helping to force those turnovers? Who was tipping balls in the middle of the field so that USC safeties could be in the right place at the right time to catch those interceptions? Eric Gentry was. So don't tell him, like, why are we so resistant to the idea that, yes, Eric Gentry might make that much of a difference for this defense? I think, do I think that USC, do I think that USC wouldn't have, ultimately lost to Utah with Eric Gentry on the field. I think they, pro- they they might have lost to Utah anyways. Do I think that Arizona couldn't have scored 30-plus points against USC with Eric Gentry on the field? They certainly could have. But there's a very clear delineation to me between what this defense was when they were relatively healthy and what this defense is now when they are absolutely 100% utterly not healthy. Yeah. And, like, t- it's that simple. There was zero... Zero give for this defense. Zero cushion or wiggle room for this defense. Complete opposite of what you get on offense, because when you don't have Jordan Addison and Mario Williams, you just turn into Michael Jackson show and Taj Washington show. And like in a game where last week it was the it was the Kyle Ford show. Well, this week it's the Michael Jackson show. Who would who will it be next week? Maybe you know Terrell Bynum comes out of nowhere to get seven catches in this game. Maybe Terrell Bynum is going to be the 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 one like. It is ridiculous that USC can have their offense be what it is without uh, without Jordan Addison and uh, and Mario Williams available to them. The defense does not have that depth at all. So when yeah. you lose someone like Eric Gentry and then lose the next best guy like Raylan, go go forth. Yes, your defense is going to take a plunge. It just it's going to happen, and all the other little I think there's things. There's a difference between taking a plunge and now averaging twenty more points it's per a pl- game. Yes, well, because what happens? Every little thing becomes that much more devastating. Because Sierra Wright, being a young guy who's getting cooked a couple times now, is devastating to your defense because you're not getting the stops because you cannot get off the field on third down because the third down plays that maybe Eric Gentry was making two or three times a game are suddenly turning into two or three touchdowns that the other team is scoring because you're not getting off the field. Like, I'm not trying to act like Eric Gentry is the end-all and be-all. I'm not trying to act like if Eric Gentry was here, USC would suddenly be a playoff-caliber team. I didn't think they were a playoff-caliber team with Eric Gentry on the field. But this defense is certainly better than they are now with Eric Gentry on the field, and it would be a lot better with Raylan Goforth on the field. So that's my answer. I mean, people can say I'm simplifying it too much, but to me, it's a very simple and obvious answer. There's a there's a there's a clear line of delineation between before the injuries and since the injuries. Yeah, that's the thing for me is it's difficult because it's so that the line is there, which makes which makes it easy to say that that is the answer. I just think there's more to it than that. Well, obviously the there's more to it. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think it's just Gentry. I think there's a lot of stuff, but um, Alicia, let, let's get into a bunch of questions and, and comments here in the chat over on YouTube. 
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Cameron says, how desperate should SC be? Uh, in getting Gentry, go forth, Addison, and Mario back. I think the answer is pretty desperate. I think the Certainly question the here needs to be how desperate are you to get them back for Colorado versus UCLA, though? Because I here's here's a question. If let, let's just assume that all four guys um are available to play against Colorado, do you sit them anyways? No, I I have them play on a pitch count. Okay, that's... I want them to get a couple drives in. I think I think I, I want them to not be coming out, coming back in, totally. Well, the crazy thing is, this sounds you know Colorado is like bad, bad. Yeah. But I don't think SC has earned the right the last two weeks <laughs> to to treat Colorado like a preseason game. Yes, but Colorado is like, like Arizona be, and Cal but, are but, good teams, but Colorado is on another level of bad. Like, like, like this should be like the SEC when you yeah. know they're, they're taking a week out to play Furman. Yes, but th- this that's, is as close as USC will get 
in conference play in a long time. Yes, I know this is the closest thing to playing, um, uh, you know, Mercer or whatever, but SC, given the last two weeks, I don't think you can absolutely, you know, pretend like it is. That's fair. Um, Jason says, tonight is the first night I'm legitimately mad at the defense. The performance was unacceptable. I, I think for me, the, the problem with the defense was the breakdowns just being as horrific as they were. Terrible. The, 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 the long the long touchdown in, in the, uh, the beginning of the fourth quarter where uh, they bid on the pump fake and the guy just walks into the end zone. Horrible. The very first drive of the game, uh, the tackling, I, I don't know what the tackling on the very first touchdown there, the, oh, the awful. dude went through like four different defenders Yeah, and it, it wasn't even grab, grab, grab. It was like, I, I, hmm, I, I don't know. It's like going through a car wash, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I get it. I think that to me is you, you can you can be a porous defense that is struggling with talent and with all those things, but A, SC, even though SC doesn't have the talent that you want them to have on defense in, in their depths, still better talent than Cal has. And they can still look prepared and all those things. And I think that on defense, they didn't always look that well tonight, which was sort of the uh, sort of the issue. Well, and that's and and I think that's why I, I would agree that like I'm more angry at the defense this week than I have in other weeks because I would have wanted them to come out of the Arizona game with a chip on their shoulder, with a point to prove. And it didn't feel like that at all. Like it felt like the defense like didn't prepare well for this game at all. And uh, that is disappointing. And maybe mm-hmm. it is a situation of they're sort of um, falling into the trap of, you know, Cal sucks. Cal's offense sucks. Like we don't need to worry too much about Cal because Cal's offense sucks. And you can't do that in conference play. You you really can't because even though Cal's offense sucks, like they're still power five level players and you know the the quarterback is still capable on it on on his day uh jade not is still capable on his day of, of of gashing you and i think that's what we saw so it felt a little bit like they weren't taking this one seriously and i think that's why everyone is a little bit more uh frustrated with the effort because it it didn't look like it was didn't look like there was a lot of fire or mental preparation or readiness or. Well, uh, we, we got a comment from ABC that said I was waiting for a game like this and it happened. Yeah. The, the sort of like no show game. Yeah. Um, every team has one. Um, it was bound to happen at some point. Uh, the, how, it's, it's good that you still win that game. How great is it that in a no show game, USC still for, scores 41 points? Yes. I mean, yes, for sure. Um, is this the no show game of the season? Uh, if it is, again, good thing that you want it. Um, the other point about it is when you go up by 20 points, put your foot on the on the throat and, and walk away at that point. Yeah. So um, sleepwalk your way to a 20-point win rather than having to eke out a six-pointer would, would be uh, yeah. a little bit different. Um, artists formerly known as Jabroni Chabber Brody says we will probably be number seven on Tuesday with this defense. But we are nowhere near as good as the six team, six teams in front of us. I think that's a fair 
that's a fair point at this point. I, I, I don't think that I don't think anyone's arguing that, right? No, no, and I think that USC will. She's got to prove it. USC will only be in the actual playoff conversation. Everything about USC being in the playoff conversation right now is hypothetical because it all requires USC winning out. Yeah, a USC team that is bad as people feel like this team is tonight won't beat UCLA or Notre Dame, and they won't be in the Pac-12 title game, and they won't win the Pac-12 title game. A USC game, a USC team that does those things will have proven that they are far better than they appeared tonight. Yeah. So it's all sort of in a hypothetical and, and all in a show me what you've got kind of kind of element. I think people are upset because the display tonight, again, suggested that USC isn't capable of doing those things, winning out and getting to the playoff. Which is fine, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, people yeah. will disagree, but for me in year one, USC has already exceeded my expectations. It's- and is already in a position to, to have what I would der- term to be a successful year one. That's that's the weird thing about it. Yeah. Yes, uh, I think in a lot of the, if if there was no context of year one, I think that I would look at this way differently than I do with that context yes. for sure, hundred um, percent. And and yeah, I, I'm I'm not always going to give you know Alex Grinch and and. Uh, Lincoln Riley, the benefit of the doubt that way, but in year one, I think you can. Yeah. Um, year two, three down the line, no, it, it, things change, right? Like uh, at that point, you need to see uh, improvement as we go. Um, Ron Campbell says eight and one, but I, I think we go nine and four in the end. No, uh, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. That's yeah. a very. I think it's certainly possible, but that's a pretty pessimistic view of, of the end of the season. I, I go back to the thing I said about the UCLA game on Twitter. Like, even if uh, we can sit here and say that DTR is going to, like, absolutely rip SC's defense a new one or whatever. Why couldn't Caleb why can't do that to SC them? Why can't SC do it to, to UCLA? Like, UCLA, yeah. um, you know, what SC did to Cal tonight, UCLA did the same thing with ASU. Um, their win probably looks a little bit better. It's on the road. I think their offense probably looked a little flashier tonight. They had all their stars there. Uh, SC's without a number of guys. And if you get those guys back, that's only going to help SC's chances. I mean, you, uh, USC, the, uh, can can we go over the guys that USC was missing? How many starters are out for USC currently? Yeah. Andrew Voorhees, Bobby Haskins, Cortland Ford, all out on the offensive line, which we don't need to mention because Mason Murphy has done a hell of a job filling in at left tackle. Good on him. Uh, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Eric Gentry, Raylan Goforth. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, Seven, I mean, that's a lot well, of starters. I mean, Voorhees played tonight, but. Oh, okay. I. I it, it's yes, there's a lot of starters there for sure. And I think that that that's where it, it's difficult to truly judge the, a, a lot of the, the defense, but I think that a lot of those guys missing are all, still on offense and the offense is doing their job without those guys shows that the offense is significantly deeper, right. Than the, than the defenses. So. Yeah. And, and that's what we know. I just, I just would caution people about, um, what comes is going to come, and if this defense isn't good enough to beat UCLA, then USC's not going to beat UCLA. And 
guess what? If that's a reality, then you, you move forward with it and, and you go for it and like you deal. Um, well, it's you, you it, again, it goes back to the perspective of like the year one situation. Yeah. No, it's year one. You still like to me, if you lose both UCLA and Notre Dame, that's a di- disappointment because those are rivalry games and you want to win those every year. Yes. And you don't yeah. want to go into in your rivalry games. But if you do and you end up with nine and three because your defense looks like the four and eight defense that they were last year. But, but here's like, the thing for me. I can, like, I, it's, it is what it is. So Randy had a question that says, I, I understand the defense is in year one, but you would think they would improve as the year goes on. I don't see that. What say you? And, to me, this is what the thing is. Like I talked about it in the preseason, I wanted to see SC that it wasn't about the wins and losses for me. It was about getting better as the season goes on. I think the offense has gotten better as the season has gone on. The defense has not done that. At the same time, the defense has had a significant injury, and really two, their two best linebackers are outs. So like – Again, how much of this is the the defense not improving as the season goes on, and how much of it is strictly because of Gentry and Goforth not being there? I thought the defense was improving as the season went on. I until, thought they were too until the last three happened. games. Until I the mean, last three games, and you all have already heard my rant on that. But but I go back to you talking about the UCLA thing. UCLA scored what sixty two points last year. If the whole if the whole thing about year one is improving then you cannot give up 62 points to DTR and UCLA again. And it, it, as it stands right now, uh, the, the, would, I, I can it would be see a world in which 62 points happens again. Yes, and that would be disappointing for sure. And it would be proof that USC needs a lot of help on defense, which we already know. Right. All right. Uh, says, do you think SC will drop in rank because the D um, uh, is is what they are? Like, I, 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 okay, if we talk about the rankings, uh, first of all, this was such a long day of college football. There's a very good chance nobody saw SC's game tonight, which is all the more reason for why winning by a bigger margin would have behooved sc yeah because usc could have looked like utter crap and gotten out of this with 41 to 20 what was it what was it 41 to 27 at a certain point that would have looked that better. score would have looked no one bats an eye at that score right at one point it was 27 7 it was 34 yeah. 14 34 14 looks better right yeah um all those things yes I, you you want to know my honest to, to God thought about the rankings? I don't think I see moves or falls or anything. Well, so I think they're going to stay like right where they are. The USD is going to stay where they are and shift up in the exact same way that everybody else is going to. No, shift I don't up. necessarily think they'll shift up. You think you think they get jumped by Tennessee, LSU? So who are the teams that falls above SC right now? Alabama. Tennessee lost. Clemson lost. Alabama lost. Yeah. LSU is one spot behind SC. I think LSU bumps up. Clemson falls but stays ahead. Tennessee falls but stays ahead. That's entirely possible for sure. And again, like and it, and it and it as we I don't know who who the commenter before said, like I think where USC is right now in the rankings is is a fair ranking for USC. Yeah. Um 
I, think I, so. I wouldn't move UCLA ahead of USC based on tonight's results. They played mirror image games. Like it's not nothing changed between those two in terms of the rankings. Yeah. Um, Oregon got to beat up on Colorado. I, I don't I don't judge it very very much. LSU very very impressive win. If they want to move LSU ahead of USC, I could not complain. If they don't want to drop Alabama or Tennessee or Clemson behind USC, I could not complain. Like that's that's fine because where USC sits right now is still th- these three weeks. A L- lot of a lot of comments by the way about Clemson's loss being too bad that, that they'll drop. Well, the, and the, the skepticism is so many around. people so many people lost that I don't know that teams are actually going to going to be punished for their losses. The thing about Clemson though is that like I feel like everyone has been skeptical of Clemson the whole time, like just waiting for them to finally get got and now that they've gotten got, they they could I could see them getting punished for just everyone thinking like DJ Uyunglele is just not a good quarterback and, and yeah. that team didn't look like they were going to make it through anyways. So maybe they drop. But either way, like I it, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter. USC in the stretch between Arizona, Cal, and Colorado was not going to have face any team that would give USC an argument to move up in the rankings. UCLA and Notre Dame will give them that 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 ability. So if they just stay put where they are, you still just have to beat UCLA and Notre Dame and get to the Pac-12 title game, and then the rankings will sort themselves out. For right now, the rankings are irrelevant to USC. Yeah. Because well, one big win, because before. a big win over uh, like a, uh, an impressive win over UCLA makes people forget that USC wasn't that impressive against well, Arizona or Cal. Like, the the playoff committee, for the most part, um, with the exception of Georgia, I think the playoff committee has cared more about wh- who you who you beat than anything else. Yeah, I I think it is weird to me the the conversation about Georgia this morning, like watching game day, um. The yeah, they beat Oregon, but blah blah blah. Yeah, they beat Oregon, but and yet you look at like Pac 12 Twitter or you look at you know comments that we get and everything, and people absolutely are using Oregon's 49 to 3 loss as their eliminator, right? Yeah. Like that is actually absolutely the indictment on Oregon, they deserve nothing because of that. And yet it's weird how Georgia gets like no credit for that win at the same time. Like, yeah, you can't do both things. Yeah, like, it can't be I, meaningful and not meaningful at yes, the same time. Like I I understand the argument that that week one game um you know means less now based on how the season has go, gone yeah, on the more two teams are in different results, yeah. places and all that stuff. But you can't completely, you know, slam one team and not give the other team any credit at all. Like you can por qué no los dos? Right? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. Um, but anyways, the, the point is the committee is going to, going to, going to weigh their decisions on who you beat. If SC continues to win games, despite, you know, not having these perfect looking blowouts, then that is going to include a win over UCLA, a ranked uh, team that's going to be top 10 or top 10 adjacent in a couple of weeks. It's going to include a win over Notre Dame, who will be ranked at this point. Um, and potentially, if they go back to the Pac-12 championship game, it will include a win over a top 10 team, whether it's Oregon or Utah. So, like, they will have won their way into having those respectable wins. Uh, so, thing, 
Yeah. I, am I holding my breath if that happens? No. But if it does, SC will be in a position to be ranked high accordingly. Yeah, but it, I guess it, it all comes down to, like, right now, would you predict that happening? Right no, now, I no, would not. No. I think that, that this Surely team not. finishes with the – I think USC loses to UCLA and beats, beats Notre Dame. And – That's 10-2. and two. That's 10-2, and two, which and is it's a, a really good record for a team. For in year one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, OKP, who are you most impressed by? The tight ends – or Michael Jackson the third. Michael Jackson the third yes. looks like he a, looks incredible. A dude, and it's really it's nice because one of the things that I came into the season thinking about with the wide receivers was okay. Obviously, you have Jordan Addison. Obviously, you have Mario Williams, but you do need to start seeing like okay, who are going to be the dudes who take over when Jordan Addison leaves for the NFL? Like who are the, who's going to be the guys that step up and and become the stars next to Mario Williams and and move that way. And um, I think that Michael Jackson is is making his uh, is making his argument on that front. Um, so really, really cool to see him doing that. And and also, you know, last week it was Kyle Ford. This week it was um, it was Michael Jackson. It's been Taj Washington both of these weeks. So I don't, does Taj Washington have another another year of eligibility after this though? Yeah, yeah, he was a. He had one year in at, at Memphis, and this is his junior year. Plus, yeah, uh, so technically, go. he got a free covered year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's really cool to see those guys step up and prove that next year's wide receiver core, and then you're going to add some really really great recruits into that mix, is still going to be completely stacked. Yeah. Uh, D in the chat says this is the podcast where someone predicted Utah beating USC, but want to rep SC at least be a sports podcast, not a USC podcast. Of course, you would think that SC would lose to UCLA for real. Did you even go to USC? No, at least you went to Notre Dame, which is why <laughs> you know she's hedging her bets here uh, about yeah. SC potentially. She yeah. she's saying right now that Notre Dame is going to lose to SC, but I'm, come, I'm come sorry. back later. Come back later, and we're going to see she might change and go with her Homer pick for her Irish. I'm sorry that you're mad that somebody on a sports podcast was correct about a game prediction. I am very sorry. Um, you do you, bro. You do you. Um, uh, let's go with uh, Anthony. Who says, How dare I? How dare I, Michael? <laughs> Anthony says, why would anyone think that a quarterback throwing for over 400 yards is on the linebackers? That is on the secondary. Linebackers play a small part in that. Um, I, Yes, I think there were absolutely breakdowns in the secondary today, which I think was a problem, um, 100%. I think that, you know, the court the, the, we got, we saw Sierra Wright get um, torched on a, on a big, long play. I, I thought he's had a very good year, and that was uncharacteristic to how he's played this year so far. That That's a problem. Um, we talked about the the pump fake that was that was the touchdown early in the fourth quarter. That's on the secondary, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, but the linebackers absolutely still play a big role when you're talking about how the game progresses, um, passes over the middle of the field, things like run support, how everything adds up. It's it's 
the linebackers do play a significant role, especially when the problems with SC's linebackers are the is how they drop back in pass game. The 11 players on a defense are all part of the same ecosystem and they all impact each other. Kalen, yeah. Kalen Bullock's, sorry, Bullock's interception is only an interception because the defensive line gets pressure and forces Plummer into a bad throw and that he puts too much air on because he's rushing it and Kalen Bullock succeeds because of it. The linebackers not being able to cover for crap makes it that much harder for every other other element of the defense to do their jobs correctly. In part because you can't get off the off the uh off the field if your linebackers are giving up third downs. You can't get off the field if your linebackers aren't in their in their run fits. You can't like all of it has it's not just the linebackers, but having the linebacker play be as bad as it is negatively impacts every other element of the defense and the DBs aren't off the hook. They had a rough day. The defensive line is not off the hook. They have their own issues with, with uh, run fits and, and making sure they get to the quarterback consistently. Um, but <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't even concentrate with some of the stuff in the chat right now. Um, it's a whole ecosystem that feeds into each other. So, yes, the linebackers being bad make it very difficult for the rest of the defense to be good. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's it's a whole mix match of of everything. Um, let's go to a comment from from Michael Madden who says uh, he's go, he's gone to bed. It's on the East Coast. And it's late, but super proud of this team. They put us back on the map, and we're and we're playing. For games that matter again, this team and the coaches were eight and one, uh, and I'm super proud. So, yeah, I, it, it goes back to there, there's two ways of looking at this. You can be frustrated. Uh, we talk about the, the frustrations about the the defense. Um, absolutely. At the same time, they're eight and one despite that defense. They're eight and one a year off of a four and eight season. They're eight and one in year one uh, under Lincoln Riley and eight, one, eight and one for eight, the first time since 2008. Um, and he, this is like historically one of the greatest seasons, if not the greatest season as any first time head coach at SC. So like, this is um, what, what was, what was, they said John Robinson. Yeah. Was John Robinson's first season in what? 76. 77? I'm looking this you up. Would, you're, you're the historian here. Uh, I'm just the Notre, Dame, 76. I'm the Notre Dame grad who hates you. Yeah, he was 11 and 1. Yeah. So, um, but completely different situation. Uh, J Rob was, was taking over um, a, a team the year before that had, uh, you know, uh, well, they, I guess they were 8 and 4 the year before, but they were two years removed from a national championship in 76. Yeah. Uh, they lost the first game uh, and then won the final 11. Pretty good. Went to a Rose Bowl. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley right now is 8-1, and one, three, three wins away from, from matching that through 12. So th- this, is, this is a weird situation where, yes, there's absolutely struggles, but on the historical side of it, SC is, you know, absolutely performing. Uh, in a way that uh, that you got to feel good about the future. Um, GLBC says, question, do you think we need a complete defensive overhaul? Do you think uh, we will hit the portal for defensive players next year like we did on offense this year? Yeah, I think the portal is going to be a situation 
that's going to be a permanent fixture to where you go to suit your needs. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see what SC can do in the portal next year because you will have seen all the, the, the places where SC benefited. You can go and say, hey, come to SC, look what Eric Gentry did after we brought him from ASU. You can be next year's Eric Gentry. Mm-hmm. Oh, look to see what happened. You see what happened with Travis Dye? He was great in our team. Now, look what you could do. Like that pitch, I think, is going to end up um, being able to be sold pretty, pretty heavily this offseason. Yeah, I mean, even even just even more on the defense, the the bodies that USC brought in because they were just bodies that they needed are getting a lot of playing time. They're 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 on the field for USC. Uh, Tyron Teleni is in there. Solomon Bird is in there. Bryson Shaw has now taken over as a as a starter. Um, so you can absolutely point to the availability on defense for people to come in through the portal. I think the where I think that you need to also create some expectations is that players like the additions that USC got on offense are harder to come by in the portal, I think. Yeah. And so like, are, is there going to be an all American addition to USC's defense? Probably not, but that's why the the job on defense was always going to be harder. I think you need to be aggressive in the, in the portal to bring guys in. You need to be aggressive in recruiting to add as many stellar talents as you possibly can and then continue to go from there. We saw what, I mean, obviously we saw what impact to me a single uh, addition in in Eric Gentry has done for the defense just by his absence, right? So yeah. if you find the right guys, especially those young guys like Gentry, I mean, um, who's the, the guy who had spring at Utah who's now injured? Um, uh, Carson Tabarachi, like, He's another he's a guy who's been injured, so you haven't been able to turn to him. But like if he was healthy, maybe he would be the key to this defense being um being different. So I think you can find those guys like the gentry types and start to fill in your gaps and then grow your defense. But it is gonna take uh take a little bit more time than it than it will just from the offense, just for that reason. Yeah. R.E. says uh R. E. Lopez says should have used the portal this year for defense. I, I think they did. Like they, they did use the portal for defense. It's just, we, we talked about it before, that the impact players that they got on defense don't match the same level of impact players they got on offense. Part of that's just because the offensive players are at the skill positions. The the defensive players that SC brought in on, on defense absolutely can and have made an impact. We talked about Solomon Bird earlier in the year on the defensive line. Um, Eric Gentry, literally the guy that we've talked about, could play a huge role in why the defense is struggling in his absence with him out. Literally a, tr- a transfer, right? Um, Makai Blackman, who's been a hell of a performer for SC uh, at corner, is a transfer. Um, yeah, they, they've gone to the portal. Um, it's just that surely, yeah, uh, Shane Lee, the 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 guy who was supposed to be SC stud linebacker going into the season was from the portal. It, it wasn't for a lack of trying. Uh, I just still think they're going to continue to do that as we go forward for sure. Um, uh, Dr. Carly, you says now that uh, Bryson Shaw is healthy, can we move Max Williams back to nickel and get Jalen Smith off the field? I think that is uh, ultimately um, 
to the benefit of the defense, if that's what happens. I, I thought Bryson Shaw came in and, and did a pretty good job. I thought he was active. Um, certainly not perfect, but I thought he was by far not the not the biggest issue on the on the defense today. He was making tackles out there. He was throwing his body around, so I appreciate that. Um, that, to me, would be the ideal, just because Max Williams... I was always skeptical of Max Williams at safety, just... just for pure body type. Like I just would want somebody uh, with more length back there at safety. And I, and I'm more comfortable with the someone with Max Williams's body type at nickel and certainly being closer to the line of scrimmage, which is where he has thrived in the past. And we haven't really seen him be able to make the same kind of plays that he was making early on in his career when he was playing nickel. We haven't really seen him be able to make those plays uh, with him back at safety. So Hopefully that is something that uh, moves forward as Bryson Shaw gets uh, healthier and more established within the defense for sure. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how that secondary continues to develop. I put the over under at seven was seven and a half Bryson uh, Shaw tackles. Um, I don't want to spoil the the fallout episode, but uh, he got over that tonight. He did, yes. <laughs> he got over quite that. Quite a bit, yeah. Quite uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, Mark says, why was Relic on the field so much? He did almost nothing after, other than run fast and drop passes. Um, one of the things that I, I you know, we, we get, we've gotten questions tonight, or I, I've seen comments in, in the chat of why, why is there nobody else but but um, Travis Dye, he can't do it all himself. And then we get a question about why is Relique on the field so much? I think you you want to develop somebody else. So, yeah, it's not just Travis Dye. At the same time, Relique Brown looked like a freshman tonight. He's going to look like a freshman sometimes. The, the loss, um, I thought that one drive absolutely, it was second and three and went to a third and 11 on a loss of eight where he ran backwards. He did the Marquise Lee thing mm-hmm. of running backwards. And while Lee could usually uh, run backwards for nine and gain seven of them back and only lose two, um, Relique's not there yet. But he lost all eight. That's and, classic freshman, though. Like yeah. uh, uh, Ronald Jones did that as a freshman. Joe McKnight did that a lot as a freshman. Right. Uh, you see that from young guys. You see them not. Uh, that you see them always looking to break the big play instead of taking what's there and then breaking it from there. So, yeah, like you said, he looked like a freshman today. There's a reason why Travis Dye is running back number one and why um, guys like Austin Jones and Relic Brown are fighting for scraps behind Dye because they are not as trustworthy as Dye at this point. Yeah, and no Lockie, no Rocky. No blocking, no rocky. Yeah, yeah. Come, comes back to that. Too. But at the same you, time, you, you do want to get somebody with Relic Brown speed involved. Like I think there's yeah. an argument to have him on the field and see what he can do. But you're going to deal with growing pains because he is a freshman, and you're going to have to work your way through that. Yeah, I, I, I do think that you need to be in a better place to where your number two running back in terms of production has more than uh, two carries tonight. Um, Travis Dye, 15 for 98, two yards, two yards. So close. Away from, from his 100-yard um, run, um, 15 for 98, and then you have to go all the way down to Austin Jones, one for five, and Relique Brown, two for negative one, including a long of seven. 
Yeah. Because it was the seven and the and the the negative eight yard, yes. which was the yeah. uh, the backbreaker there early on in the game. Um, wish I had a vet. Love that name. Love it. So me too. So I, I think I'd be cool with the Camaro, to be honest. <laughs> but a, a vet would be nice too. Uh, as the physicality that was lacking the past few years come back. Um, yes. Um, On offense, I think. Um, defensively, yes. I, I, I think um, surely it's, it's there is a lack of physicality. We saw that with the broken tackles early on in the game. And I think that you see that sometimes where sometimes there's guys around a, a, a pass catcher who just catches the ball and then he's able to pick up a few more yards because they're not able to secure the tackle quick, quickly enough. Then that's something that SC needs to overcome. At the same time, I, I think this is an epidemic in college football all told. I, I think it's one of those things I suspect that is more closely linked to the um, consistency question. It's like from a one, one play to the net, like there are plays where it feels like USC is being physical, but the difference between USC being physical on one out of every two or three plays and like the Georgias of the world who are physical on three out of every four plays, like that ultimately will make a difference that will set apart the physicality of one team from another. Um, so to me, it's just about USC bringing the physicality on every play. And I don't think that that's what they've been doing. They did do a much better job uh, after that first drive where they completely lacked any, any sort of sense of um, knowing how to play the game or be physical or do anything. I thought they had a really good response uh, in the middle two quarters of, of making those plays, winning at the, at the line, um, getting tackles for loss, getting sacks, getting, getting in and, and being physical up front. And they just sort of fell, fell out, fell, fell back, fell free of it. Like, um, so I don't know. Yeah. A couple of questions. Um, NAN and Chase, uh, what is going on with Foreman? Can we say Foreman is a bust? I, I don't know. I'm hesitant to call players a bust. Um, especially, I'm especially I, hesitant to call players who are playing defensive front a bust when they are still extremely young relative to, I know obviously not everyone can be the you know Leonard Williams who comes in and is freshman and, and is yeah, immediately but, amazing. But like to me, sometimes guys have to mature, not just physically but mentally. And I wonder, you know, for Foreman, do you write him off? I don't know. Some some might want to write him off. I personally don't want to write him off yet because he has been dealing with some injury stuff. He's been dealing with some concussion stuff. That stuff is always difficult to sort of get a handle on. So I, I don't think it helps that JT Tuimolowell looks incredible at Ohio State from yes. week to week, uh, especially last week. Um, but so, like, that direct comparison doesn't look well. But uh, as Danny says in the chat, Kyle Prater was a bust. Yeah. And, and I don't think Kyle, uh, I don't think um, uh, Corey Foreman is, is there yet. He's, he's not, he's not, he's not Whitney, Whitney Lewis. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, Troy in the Troy Miller in the chat says I won't call Foreman a bust until next year, but I think he's definitely a four-year player. Yeah, I think is he a bust relative to like number one overall player in the country? Sure, yes, that's bust, but rankings are also a crapshoot to a certain point. So can he be a contributor for USC? Don't write him off from that perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would agree. Uh, TAC in the chat said earlier on that Georgia absolutely shut down two of the best offenses in the country. Super impressive. Yeah, I mean, they made Tennessee credit. look real average today. Um, and that's on top of um, making Bo Nix and, and Oregon, who have scored 40 points in eight straight games, held them to three. Yeah, and, and you think about that, Hendon Hooker has been the Heisman favorite for a while now. They're now all day. I just saw people talking about like Bo Nix being back in the Heisman conversation, all of that. And you see what Georgia has done to those two quarterbacks who are upper echelon quarterbacks. That's Georgia. Like that's Georgia. And and when you look at what Georgia is able to do on the other side of the ball, their offense isn't as spectacular as some of the more spectacular offenses that we've seen, but they have a quarterback who knows what he's about. They have a team that believes in their quarterback and they have some real great playmakers. And that is extremely dangerous. And that doesn't mean that Georgia is a perfect team that can't get, you know, swamped up by Mizzou, which is still like a, how, <laughs> what, what happened there? Like that happens. But when it comes to the big games, for me, I don't bet against Georgia. I'm I'm at the point with Georgia that I have been at for a long time with Alabama, and that's obviously not the case this year, but in general it's safe to just don't bet against teams like Alabama and Georgia when they have proven so often what they are. Yeah. Uh well, we, we, we talked about, you know, the the sleepy game. Was this SC sleepy game? Yeah. Um the Mizzou was was Georgia sleepy game. Um but to you know, to talk about, you know, Georgia and, and whatnot, I think you have to talk about the, the grand scheme of things was today was a hell of a day for college football. And which is it's insane. You know, SC obviously gets a win and gets a win in a week in which so many teams lost. And I think that is huge, especially when you're able to run your record to eight and one and, and stay in the hunt and all that stuff. That is paramount. Um, at the same time, the SC Cal game absolutely a dud on the uh, in terms of entertainment compared to uh, everything that that went on the Alabama LSU game going to, into OT insane big shout out to Jaden Daniels look like looks like LSU's finally developing him into something that ASU couldn't uh, I always thought that yeah, he I was mean, disappointing at ASU I always wanted more from him at ASU like they they just felt like they stopped developing him and they, they couldn't get anything more out of him. And then he goes to LSU and that run in overtime was like absurd. Yes. Right. Um, big, big night for, um, for, for them and a terrible night for Clemson. Notre Dame beats them, which we talked about earlier will look good for USC because not only does that take Clemson out of the uh, playoff undefeated race, or at least the undefeated race um, aspect of it, but, now it's probably going to give Notre Dame a, a ranking and a chance for SC to have a ranked win later on in the season in a couple of weeks uh, back at the Coliseum. I want to run through the Pac-12 side of things. 
Uh, Friday night, not good for SC. Uh, Oregon uh, State had plenty of chances early game. on and um, didn't finish off their drive. So uh, Anthony in the chat says not all wins are good ones. Yeah. I disagree just philosophically because I watched that Oregon State game. <laughs> <laughs> and I also watched Ohio State against Northwestern today, and that was an absolute that, mess. That, but also, that was, that was painful. To if watch. you survive those kinds of games, if you get the win, you get to move on and not have the loss in your loss column. Survive and in advance. Survive in advance. Yes. So, um, Oregon State did not survive in advance, and there is something no. to be said for teams that can figure out how to do that. And the reason why Oregon State will not be ranked as opposed to other teams out there who continue to survive and advance is that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, to Oregon State's credit, their three losses this year are to 8-1 uh, and one SC, 7-2 and two Utah, and 7-2 and two Washington. They've only yeah. lost to good teams. And Washington, again, like Washington's biggest problem is that like they're in that same mold of they're sort of a – they're decent, but not good enough to be in the in, in competition with like the USC's, UCLA's, and Oregon's of the world. So, right. like you know, that's not a it's not a shameful loss, but that was absolutely a game that Oregon State could have won, and an Oregon State that deserves to be ranked should have won. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Utah takes care of business, forty five twenty over Arizona. Uh, in that game, Jordan, uh, Jaden Delara, only 159 passing yards. Uh, yeah, that's how you bottle him up. That's yeah. what happens, I guess, when he goes to Rice Eccles. Uh, yeah. Nothing much there. Um, Oregon laid the wood on Colorado, as you would expect, 49-10, to 10, eight straight games in which the Ducks have scored 40-plus points. Um Pretty much what you'd expect. That's that's the model Colorado. for what, what USC wants to go in and do next week against Colorado. That's the model. Yeah, 100%. Um, and UCLA in a wild one, 50-36 to 36 over ASU. A game that I thought kind of – we were watching it on the second screen. Kind of mirrored the, the SC-Cal game. Blow for it, blow. Like, not, it, it never got to the blowout points. UCLA was never truly in danger, but also they let them hang around a little bit bit. But UCLA getting the touchdown at the end, making it a two-score game, makes it look a slightly better. Yeah. But still, they have 36 points. I just love that within the same moment in those two games, Cal scored a touchdown and then converted a two-point conversion to get within six of USC late in the fourth quarter. And ASU scored a touchdown and converted a two-point conversion to get within six of UCLA late in the fourth quarter. And th that those things happened within 30 seconds of each other. It was incredible. <laughs> like, yeah, what um, is going on? The artist formerly known as Jabroni Jabber Brody said our Pac-12 defense is the new Big 12 bad. That's what it feels like. Yes, it feels like that. At yeah. the same point, I think, you know, genuinely – I think there is a big rise in quarterback play in the Pac-12 right now. Um, Pac-12 has always been the, uh, a conference of really good quarterbacks, but I think the elite quarterback play is you're really seeing it right now where at one point Michael Penix was someone in the Heisman hunt, and I think he's still going to get votes at some point. He's producing an elite, an elite, an, uh, an elite level. 
DTR looks incredible. Bo Nix looks incredible. Caleb Williams looks incredible. Those three guys, pick your poison for who's the best one is going to get first team uh, quarterback. I think it's crazy that somebody's going to get left off. There's going to be a really good quarterback, this, multiple really good quarterbacks this year that don't make the first or second team all-pack 12 quarterback list. But the, we haven't even talked about Cam Rising. Yeah, but and it, I think this might be one of the things that, you know, in the midst of USC being really bad uh, for a couple of those seasons, the Pac-12 was really down. And in those seasons, it felt like well, we had talked to the, like the he, quarterback play in the conference had sort of taken a dive. Well, like, what was was it twenty twenty where you know all the talk around SC was that Keaton Slovis had taken a step back? Yeah, but he, he was, was still, the best, still the best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, he was still the best quarterback in the conference, and that reflected yeah. poorly on the rest of the conference, right? Well, now Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the conference, but all of the other quarterbacks in the conference are really good. And the transfer portal has helped with this. Um, but like DTR has taken that step forward and getting the COVID year certainly has given him the chance to develop into his sort of fully fledged self. Um, Penix transfers into Washington and gets to play for Kellen DeVoer, who is a much better offensive mind than what Penix had at Indiana. Uh, Bo Nix gets to transfer to Oregon where he too is playing for a significantly better offensive mind than what he was, what he had at Auburn, um, and we're we're seeing that the the quarterback play in the conference across the board is just much better this year, and I think that's yeah. why the teams, the offenses in particular, uh, this season feel like they're that much better because Jake Plummer is one of the worst. Jack <laughs> Jack, Jack Plummer. Is one of the worst uh, is one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference, and he's still capable of having you know a four hundred yard game against certainly right. not a not a good USC defensive performance, but well, he's not a terrible quarterback. Like this, look look at Jaden Delar. Jaden Delar is someone who is a a big volume producer, right? We talked about it in the Arizona preview pod that Arizona going into the USC game last week was fifth in total passing yards per game, and the Per game stats are super flawed, so take that for what it for what it is. But he's a high volume passer, right? And it's crazy to think that he he, he is such a high volume passer, and yet he's probably like I don't know, maybe the sixth best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, yeah. Like that tells you how how deep the the conference and is. And that's a like little bit that's a little bit more of how it was, you know, ten years ago when. Um, you would have that like Washington State quarterback who would just be like a good quarterback, but not in the yeah. upper tier. Um, there were like four of them in a row: Holiday uh, and and um, what's his face and what's his face. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, uh, m- mustache guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mu- <sighs> what's this? I don't. Uh, Either way, but yeah, you know that. It- these are, this is why I don't like live podcasts. We need it's to go back to nine. Our podcasts, brains are not right? working. Yeah. All I can think of is Anthony Gordon, but there was just one season of him. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, there was a question from, from Kyle is quarterback play looking so elite because the defenses are terrible. I, I, I don't think that the defenses are any necessarily worse than they were before. I think that the quarterbacks are legitimately better, honestly. Like I think that um, it could be a mixture of both for sure, but I, I just think the quarterbacks are better. Um, the the Bo Nix thing is weird because 
yeah, he was just horrible at, at Auburn, like Ari Lopez says. Like the the numbers comparatively were were terrible. I I didn't think he was going to be that good at Oregon, and yet he looks at Oregon like what Justin Herbert should have been. Yeah, because Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon, I'm like, I don't understand the <laughs> NFL hype. I don't get it at all. Yeah, he's been like fine, but like not incredible and then he goes to the chargers and suddenly he's he's a top five quarterback in the nfl i'm like where was this dude at oregon well here's bo next doing the inverse so yeah and i just looked at not that not that these are like end all be all because out of conference numbers are hard to track like who are you playing out of conference stuff like that but like just looking through the the splits on non-conference games uh quarterback ratings and all that kind of stuff like no the, the quarterbacks all look like they're just good like Straight up, like in terms of statistical output, it's there. Um, as somebody, I think Anthony in the chat was saying, like in terms of the eye test, it's there. The quarterback play in the conference is just higher than it had been a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, Rama says, <laughs> we're going to stay up till two when the clocks turn back. I hope not. Please don't. No, <laughs> I, I hope we're done with this and I can go straight to bed and sleep. And enjoy my extra hour of sleep. It's just a it's just a good time for me to get on a rant about um, the time change. I, I, I've got a take. I can I can this is no this is a good time. It's a good time. Okay, apparently. so here here's the deal, folks. Um, if you watched Veep, one of the greatest shows of all time, um, clearly you know Jonah Ryan ran on a great premise. Of uh, of getting rid of daylight savings time. Sorry, daylight saving time. Um, here's the problem. Everyone wants to get rid of the time changes. Have as being someone who lived in in Arizona for four years, there is nothing worse than not changing your clocks. Trust me, you don't want that. All these people like California should go to not changing the clocks. No, you're a crazy person. Don't do that because you know what happens? Everybody else changes, but you don't, which means you have to spend your whole next month recalibrating your brain. Wait, hold on. The Shoot, the um, the Alabama game is on at uh, 3 Eastern. Oh, shoot, what time is 3 Eastern? Um, what time of year is it? Um, carry the one. Uh, the you know what I mean? Like See, but this is the problem with 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 soccer too. Is it's, inc- it's Europe, Europe or England changes their clocks in a different weekend than we do in America, and so then there's like a two week span where all of the games are at a different time than they normally would be because they're like they're like the NFL where they have time slots, right? So like there's always a game at eight o'clock, eight thirty on a Sunday, or there's always a nine thirty game on a Saturday, whatever. And so it changes. And like that two week period is hell enough for me to know that I would not yeah. want to go through the Arizona thing. Now, now imagine having being it for months. A, a, a worker who works in a company that is global. And I have meetings with people all around the country and around the world. And so what does that mean? It means if you're, you live in Arizona, suddenly your meetings are all over the place because they didn't move for you, but they move for everybody else. 
See, and this is where I agree with, so with if, David Greater. So if you want to get rid of daylight saving time, you need to get rid of it for everybody. And like, that's what Dave, universally. What David the Greater said in the chat is the entire country should trash daylight saving times. But I'll go even further. The, the world, entire world, the world can the world. trash daylight saving time. Yes. And then we don't have to deal with this anymore because it is a it is a uh, an uh, an out of date practice yes. that made sense in the past, but no longer makes sense for the modern world. Let's but if, but if the world isn't going to do it, then the like yeah. you need to conform to whatever the most number. So of we need to appeal to the UN. Is basically what yes. we're saying. What I'm saying is okay. the idea that California should be on his different thing, um, and then of everybody else, no. You don't want that. Trust me, you don't want that. You don't want to have to recalibrate your brain twice a year. No. It sucks. It sucks. Yeah. I, it, it sucks. Trust me. It sucks. Okay. I'm just really upset because I I realize that I like I love the summer months when when the when the sunset is when it is so, and like as like tomorrow night is going to be such a depressing night because the sun is going to set at like four o'clock in the afternoon it's just me like danny says it's already been passed in in congress with the sunshine protection law or whatever again it it sucks man i it sucks all others will do the same if they all do the same but yes. that's the thing is once the what? u.s does it on mass like i think then there will be incentive for other countries who do the change to not do the change anymore because you know everyone else has started to switch away from the change i just want to have everyone be the same that's all i want yeah not not the same like one time zone like can you imagine if Oh, that one time zone like horrible. china how, how wild that, that would be no i'm not i'm not on board with that no thank you <laughs> It'd be, it'd be like uh, 8 a.m. on the East Coast, and it's 8 a.m. over here, and it's still like, yeah, uh, you know, it feels Although like 5 a.m., but it, it's really 8 a.m. After a while, it would become similar to like the way that in the Northern Hemisphere, we just like, <laughs> you know, Christmas is, is during the winter, and that's us. But like in the Southern Hemisphere, like Christmas is during the summer, and that's just what it is for them. And so like, we would just get to a point where, like, when you say 8 a.m., you're not meaning what we currently think the, of 8 a.m. is. 2 p.m. sunset? Yeah. Like, that would just be the way that we function. Yeah. Um, Anthony, yeah, all this is confusing to me. Just, it's... Yeah. It's 1237. Yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. Uh, SC, of course, 4135 winners um, over Cal. Uh, SC eight and one and uh, moves on on a short week to play the Colorado Buffaloes uh, later on this week on Friday, Friday night, seven 30 at the Coliseum. So we'll see what happens with that, um, which at least gives SC an extra week going an extra day of refs going to the UCLA game. So mm-hmm. anyways, here we are. Uh, as always, thank you for joining us. Everyone who's joined us here on, on the chat and uh, had a little talk with us after the Cal game. Um, you can email us at reignoftroy at fansetter.com. Uh, you can follow Alicia on Twitter at Penguin of Troy. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS. We will be back on Monday night to look ahead to, sorry, look back at the Cal game, and then we'll be back Wednesday to look ahead at the Colorado game. So uh, join us then live on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts including Apple Podcasts, where you can leave a review. 
And here on YouTube, of course, you can subscribe to the channel and like the stream. It helps grow the show. Lisa, you got any final thoughts? Uh, I hate USC, and I want them to lose every game. And uh, I will cackle maniacally when they lose. Because you're a Notre Dame grad. Because I'm a Notre Dame grad. Yes. A hater. That's me. All right. Until then, see ya. See ya. New Jersey, Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.